Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. Jacqueline Novak has been doing stand-up comedy for nearly 20 years. But it wasn't until this past week that the entire comedy world finally took notice of how talented she truly is. There's a reason why John Mulaney has called Jacqueline the Muhammad Ali of comedy. It's evident in her astonishing new 90-minute special, Get On Your Knees, which took six long years to perfect and is now streaming on Netflix for the whole world to enjoy. Get On Your Knees is ostensibly about the blowjob, as Jacqueline puts it, as opposed to blowjobs more generally. But as we discuss on today's show, it's really about so much more than that. This deeply intellectual meditation on our basest sexual acts is not easy to describe. So before we get into this conversation, let's listen to a clip from Get On Your Knees. This one concerning a sexual position that Jacqueline prefers to call the hound's way. I'm someone that, for example, prefers to call doggy style the hound's way. I think the position deserves a term with some gravitas. I think it's one of our more noble positions. I feel like any of these positions where you're staring into the eyes of your lover, you know, as, as if to become one. There's something immature there. I'm not impressed. <laughs> to me, the hound's way, it represents a more mature kind of love where, where two lovers can look towards the future together. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not sad. It's not sad that I'm not looking at him, that I'm not making eye contact with him, because it's more like, it's more like we're these two pioneers headed west. And I gotta keep my eye on that horizon, because these are, these are tough times. But I'm a strong woman. I know hubbin has got me from behind. I feel him bringing up the caboose. I just gotta put my face into the wind and keep on keeping on through this good night, because our young nation depends on it, that sort of thing. Jacqueline, uh, I'm... I'm- very excited to have you here. I was I was realizing that we almost did this in June of 2019. Oh my god! I don't know yeah. if you are aware of that, but I I had the pleasure of seeing an early version of Get on Your Knees at the Lyric Hyperion in June Amazing. of 2019, um, which I really loved. And then we were going to talk for this podcast, which had, at that point I think launched like a couple months before. Didn't happen for whatever reason, but I think it's even better that we're talking now because there's totally. so much more to talk about. And yeah. now everyone can actually see this show um, on Netflix. And so, yeah, it's, it was very exciting for me to see it so long ago and then yeah. and then see the finished product and and really, um, yeah, I think it's, I, I love the show and it's obviously getting an incredible amount of attention and feedback over the last few days. So I thought maybe we could start there. I mean, what has this week been like for you? It's a, it's pretty insane. The anxiety of putting the thing out on this bigger platform than a single room at a time, me staring at the people that I'm 
you know, trying to convince or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, that feeling, me, me not being present for people to take it in is like a loss of control. Not that I actually am controlling what's happening in people's minds while I'm in front of them, but it feels more like I am. And um, here I might be like, oh, like, oh, I just took a nap and like, Oh God, like someone was taking it in without me there. So yeah, a lot of people are taking it in without this, you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a spiritual, uh, it's a, it's a psychological, uh, spiritual, uh, uh, like challenge or whatever this, like, you know, letting, letting go of the thing. And I'm not that like, you know, that's separate from me. That's out in the world, all that stuff. Um, you kind of hear this like thing and I don't know, you always hear these, these things like these artists, like, you know, it's theirs now or like, you know, and it's very appealing. Um, so I've been, yeah, so I've been sort of, I'm trying not to personally feel like a, um, like I am a post on a platform that is just walking around like waiting for comments. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it's no way to live. <laughs> so instead I'm, I'm really doubling down on like my interior <laughs> is my, is my space and all I have is my interior and like, what is my life really about? And like, <laughs> So I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, um, over the top in terms of like, okay, this is a time to get really clear and journal and decide what I value. And I, like, you know, like, as when, opposed um, to doing what you could be doing, which is going online and reading everything oh and God, taking yeah. in the, the feedback and the positive and the negative. And no, you don't, you don't do that. No, I'm really, I'm really trying to, um, um, subscribe to sort of this, like, if a positive comment can lift me up, then a negative comment can lift me or, you know, send me down. Right. So it's like, you kind of, you have to do neither. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to enjoy, I, I'm, I enjoy like these sort of local, um, responses, like, you know, a parent's friend mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> texted through <laughs> my parents. Like I was like, yeah, that I'm, I'm, uh, there's a really strong filter there. You know? Yeah. Your parents aren't going to let anything get through that's uh, going to bum you out. Yeah. So I just, I'm, I'm being very uh, specific about where I, what I take in and because I'm fucking sensitive. So <laughs> <laughs> this show has had such a journey as you're saying, you know, from, I think it's now been what, almost six years since you oh my God. Really started working on it. Is that right? I mean, yeah, probably. I am really bad with time. Like, I'm like, if you were, I'm really bad with time, particularly years, years passing because that's, you know, years passing is what wakes, wakes me in the night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so in general. You try not to think about it too much. Yeah. I try not to think about it too much. Um, and, but in this case, a huge, you know, part of it has just been like really, really fun getting to do the show and tour it. And even though there were breaks and. Um, we're in isolation and, you know, all these kind of staggered out experiences, like, um, a lot of it, you know, originally was, I was sort of looking to make it a comedy special, right? Like, I, oh, I want to have a, a big hour, in my case more, but, uh, special and kind of like, I'm going to do whatever I can to, to do that. And that involved ultimately putting it on as a theater show, right? It started with like those shows, Edinburgh and then the shows you saw and you know just kind of wherever I can and then doing it as a theater show and then just all of a sudden that meant getting to do it so much and then oh this is really fun like oh my god I could tour like you know not huge venues but a couple hundred people I could get to show up and you know in a city it was like this is the dream so <laughs> so I just really lived it yeah I mean it must have felt so different from sort of what you were doing before that point when you were you know, just kind of working out 
stand-up material that maybe didn't have such a focus or a theme. So how did it how did it feel different from what you were doing before you started before you decided that you wanted to do this? Completely completely different. I mean, I, I'm going to slip into all these clichés about um, you know, all these clichés and probably because they're these things that you kind of like tell yourself and are working through over the years of um trying to as we say make it right um and it's like it's like uh i mean it was really just it was really just a i i'm not i mean it was really sort of like i'm not um like the, you know this idea of sorry i'm hesitating cuz like i hate when i'm like these clichés so i hesitate and try to find my way through them that isn't the cliche but i'll just say the fucking cliche and then we'll go from there and unpack it afterwards yeah yeah but, that sounds but good. this sort of like almost like uh, don't, you know, this don't wait for them to give you the job you want kind of vibe, right? Like you just, they're like, you know, get up in the morning and write your your screenplay as though you're being paid to do it, you know, even though you're not, right? And all of that. And and so it was kind of um, this shift of I am just going to throw everything I've got, you know, just, just go hard as though, um, I don't know, it's just like this like, fuck it, let's put it all together in this and by all I just mean like me <laughs> you know and um and because I knew it was like I'm committing to this one project and I'm going to make this one project you know this one hour this one thing uh, I'm just I'm, I'm gonna give it everything I have right and and sort of I'm not gonna stop on this hour until this hour you know like I I'm so I believe in it enough to then go essentially selling it, right? Like it's, it's such an obvious thing, but instead of this kind of halfway meet, meet like the marketplace or the industry or whatever, you know, all abstractions, but who cares? Like instead of sort of like meeting them halfway, like, do you like me a little? You like me a little? Like, yeah. Or wanting to be pursued or kind of wanting, yeah. Yeah. This sort of weird, like expecting that, expecting almost like, yeah, like the industry to collaborate in your like making it or something. And, um, and, but it, and it wasn't like I'm going to try to not – it wasn't like I'm going to – like I don't care about that. Like I wanted all those th- – I want the things, right? Like I want the big special on the big platform, like totally. But I, so I had to I had to divorce it almost like, um, yes, I want those things. In order to get those things or to get that, I what do I have to do? I'm going to have to sell it to them. Okay, what would that look like? Well, I better have something that I believe in enough to not be discouraged in the process of selling, you know? And that – kind of um made it really clear that then oh all like all that's upon me is working on one thing until I believe in it so much that I would um instead of asking someone to believe in a potential you know which feels like what it so much can be it's like and then and then it didn't matter where I was performing it I'd perform it anywhere in any context it became very it, it was like a real clarity kind of thing and um and then, but then it did allow, but then, then like getting to be able to tour it and stuff like that, like that was just so, even when there was this moment where it was like, okay, maybe we film it and whatever. It was like, wait, but I haven't gotten to, you know, like Detroit yet or whatever. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't done it for like a couple hundred people in Detroit yet. Like I'm almost scared. Like, well, one, if I film it to me, it's like done, you know, um, unless I turn it into a musical or something, which, you know, which everyone's TBD. doing it. So, yeah, I know. I know. Um, I was like, I like put that in like, a, like literally years ago. I was like, can we just like put a little thing in the contract somewhere that just in case I decide because <laughs> I, I love musicals. 
No, the vulva, the vulva is beautiful, but it requires the kind of tilted gaze of a more poetic eye. Shall I step in? I mean, I'll give it a shot. To me, the vulva, my vulva perhaps, my vulva is beautiful in the way that a tattered flag is beautiful. It's frayed edges telling a tale of how ideals met actualities. To me, a vulva may be beautiful in the way a burger is beautiful. A burger with all its particular fixins, you know, wrapped up in crinkly, greasy, foiled paper. And then they cut it. I love when they wrap it up and then they cut it. And then they go, and then you see the layers, these different textures, and they're pressed together, and yeah, there's a threat of a spill. Yeah, there's a risk of a sudden disassembly, but it holds, it holds. The vulva is the burger that holds. There's something really interesting that you're saying that's almost counterintuitive, which is like, you decided you really wanted to make it, so you... <laughs> but what could, what could happen in that case is you try to like figure out what does the industry want, what it, like, I'm going to cater to that, but it sounds like instead you said, it has to be what I want. It has to be something that I believe in. And then you kind of have to just hope that your sheer will makes the industry accept it and take it, which in this case happened with Netflix, which is the biggest platform for comedy right now. So yeah, I'm not sure what the question is, but how did that, how did that happen? No, no, no. Yeah. It's like, it's like, um, cause I mean, I wanted to you know, make it right the whole time. Right. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, so, so it was, it was almost like, um, and, and part of the reason I focus on this stuff versus, I don't know, almost why I was, I'm pushing this conversation into this spot if I am versus like, I don't know, more artistic or something. It's because it's such a core, huge sort of wound slash, I mean, it's, it's part of it, right? Like, if you want to do your work on this, on the biggest sort of stage you can, right? Like, figuring out where you as an artist and and that meet is, like, almost, you know, it's like its own, it's its own work. It's its own um, complete, like, I, mean, I, I don't want to say it's the hard part even. I don't know if that's, like, the, the simplification I'm looking for, but but kind of, right? It's like, um, and so, yeah, it really, it really was the, if I believe in it enough, truly, then I won't have any shame trying to sell it. Like the confidence that you're supposed to, like, you know, like this kind of negotiation vibe of like, you know, you have to, whatever it is, believe you, you, <laughs> nothing to lose. You can walk away from the negotiation, whatever, whatever, that, that thing. And it's like, if, um, so it became, yeah, it just, it just became really simple. Yeah. Like, like in order to have that kind of confidence, in order to push, if I don't uh, fully believe in it, if I don't think it's, you know, done or it's, or if I don't think I can say it's, you know, deserves to be, so it, so then it, it deserves to be on the biggest platform or whatever. Like, I'm not going to feel confident selling it. It's just like, I'm not going to push for it. I'm not going to any of that stuff. So it's just like, all right, it just puts it squarely back on me as a artist to do the work with whatever the work is without even worrying about how it appears from the outside, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we should talk a little bit about the content of this show. Um, you know, the, the sort of log line that's now all over the place is it's, you know, this 90 minute monologue about 
the blowjob. And I know it's very important to say the blowjob. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've gotten that message. Yeah. Do you like that as the, sort of the framing of the show? Do you feel like it's too reductive? Um, and, you know, because I think it, it is about a lot more than that. Um, but that's sort of a hook that gets people in. So how did you kind of yeah. try to balance that? I like the simplicity of it. I like saying 90 minutes is kind of, I'm like, okay, that embeds some of the vibe of like almost like verbosity and tedium and, and, and too much work and, and like not cheap. So like there is a little bit of a contrast in there that I'm into. I I do, um, you know, I like that. I, I much prefer that to anything that's like penis or whatever. Cause like I, the extent to which I don't think of it, like I'm only all my like jokes about the penis are, are all to serve. They're almost just like, I have to get through this. I have to explain these thoughts in order to talk about this other thing. It fills with inspiration <laughs> and it is a filling to me. It is a filling to me much more than it is a <laughs> erection. I think erections a little architectural for what's happening there. I don't think when she go in that building, I don't think it's safe. It's not up to code. <laughs> and unlike a building, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't topple, it withers. It dies on the vine. <laughs> I much prefer like 90 minute meditation on the blowjob or something like that um, to, to that. And then, you know, if it, it's like what part of the fun in theory of the show is that like we're saying it's this and then hopefully it's more over I'm obsessed with things overflowing their containers like as a philosophy so it's like I like it to be described as one thing and then and then kind of um deliver more or or something else so it's like I have to so so for me to then want for me to want the marketing to contain all that the show is Mm -hmm. would be like then there'd be no need for the show you know like yeah yeah it's like there'd be no need for the show if you could say it all in the in the thing so in that way I'm very like yeah, let that be my big banner. Um, and hopefully we, you know, get a hint. It, yeah, but but describing stuff, summarizing stuff, like the little blurb. It's difficult. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, what it, I mean, to me, it, I think the show, if anyone, you know, does just hear that, oh, it's it's a show about the blowjob, will be surprised and sort of that it, how much more there is to it and how, um, you know, it does really intellectualize this thing that doesn't usually get analyzed in that way. Um, I know you've talked a little bit about how it's like anti-shock value in a way. It's not what we're used to seeing on the comedy stage um, from men or women, really, in terms of talking about sex. I'm wondering how much you thought about that sort of coming up as a as a young younger comedian. There's this sort of weird double standard about female comedians talking about sex on stage and and is it something that you deliberately avoided for a while because i know looking at like your early late night sets it's um you know mostly about food (laughs) yeah yes was that really conscious for you to be like i'm not going to be a comedian who talks about sex in this way on stage actually no even though what you're saying it it became simpler for me instead of this kind of medley of all that is contained (laughs) okay my various uh because I certainly submitted late night sets that you know had all these different topics that that included you know maybe a sexual joke or whatever um and ultimately became like easier for me to manage a five minute thing just talking about one thing you know what I mean And, and also just like so there wouldn't be this thing in there that that just confused matters it was like there was like a to do the five minute form there was again like a focusing elegance to just you know like all right i'm just gonna talk about fries or whatever whatever 
Yeah, that was that was your Tonight Show set was only about fries, right? Yes, yes. And food is one of my like favorite topics. So I want to talk to you guys about French fries for a few minutes. And, and I humbly request that you sort of settle into the topic because it will be filling the rest of my time here. So I love fries, okay? Thank you. <laughs> I love fries. What I don't love is the way people behave around them. I've noticed the tendency for people to go like this. They go, can I steal a few fries? Can I steal a couple fries? It's wrong. It's like, no. Excuse me. I had the courage when the waiter was here. But early on, I was very aware of that uh, thing that you're talking about, this kind of like, and I resented, I didn't want to, I resented that idea that I would have to not talk about, I don't know, sex or something like that to avoid this kind of accusation of like leaning on that. So, so, so there was a thing in me that, go, that I didn't want to fall in and do the, the, the like I didn't want to do the, I'm going to show you by only talking about puzzles, you know, you know, or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, it, it annoyed me like spiritually almost like if, com you know, if comedy is about whatever the fuck, you know, the human experience, like, like I don't want to be, yeah, I don't want to, um, so, so I always had this, no, I'm going to do it. Like, no, I'm going to do it. And, uh, and, and you better be listening closely enough to realize that there's, there's something interesting here, human or whatever, like almost like if, uh, you know, it, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, um, yeah, so I was sort of, it was sort of both. Like, I really, I didn't want to be uh, reacting. Like, I didn't want it to be this reaction. And I also, in myself, kind of, it was almost like a, on my inside, I was not thinking of myself as, you know, female comedian or something. But then also almost being forced to reckon with, like, no, that is part of what they're experiencing and then I'm perceiving that they're experiencing that and then I want to like, you know, I want to dig and poke at that in this other way and so I'm sort of like, um, it's, God, it's too, the, the dynamics at play <laughs> in stand-up, like, yeah, forgetting well, it even. Me, it, it did make me think I wanted to ask you about your uh, your uniform or costume or however you want to describe it in the show. Um, the New York Times Review uh, called it a, quote, passion killer ensemble I feel like they were they were searching for another word there besides passion, but yeah. uh, but couldn't use it yeah, in the New York Times. Yeah, that's what I was going. That's what I was going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, so, I'm like I'm, sometimes I'm really um, I'm like what boner? Like I'm like a child. Okay, um, or, or like things that are like obvious like that. Like I really like miss sometimes. Like I don't know. I, I um, like I can't. Like I like don't get jokes. Um, like I'll be like mm, what. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is like a kind of that is like the perfect example of um, that is me directly kind of playing into the tropes of of stand up. Like that is me going like like it, me wearing this sort of nothing outfit. Um, yeah, it's basically is, jeans and a and a gray t shirt uh, yeah. for anyone. Yeah, who, who and hasn't just seen it, yeah. ponytail, like just like like get my hair out of my face for the purpose because like it's I very utilitarian out. yeah utilitarian comfort I want to like forget my body as much as I can to like deliver my ideas right and I oh, and when I'm like using my body as a you know as a 
to to yeah to act out act, stuff. Or, I know yeah. it's like I look I like hesitated on the word act out. It was too like <laughs> comedy, but yeah, like acts about. It's like it better be like this like relatively neutral like doll you know that I'm moving around to to be this or that or whatever. There's two pieces to this. The first piece is you know fuck you like <laughs> like like you can't accuse me of using my being a woman to get any points on stage right to get any help to help the like I literally think there there might be this you know whether however conscious perspective like almost like oh like she's wearing a dress like to give you something if the jokes don't aren't quite there or something like that like this which of course to me is literally like completely not true but it's the kind of thing that a certain kind of like identity or a certain kind of comedy fan might project and so i'm trying to remove that yeah they is that something say, that you ever feel like you you did and kind of regret doing or no or? no no i mean i never no 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 i i like i i have to i have like determined to be so clear about this what i'm saying like i don't believe like i think a woman like I do not see that as a crutch, to be, to be very clear. Like, it's harder. It's actually harder. So, so the second part of what I'm saying is it's actually harder, like, I think it's harder to do it in a dress because the psychology of what I'm describing is so, like, I don't even, it's murky. Yeah, it's complex. It's like, I want to do it in a dress. I want to do it, like, I want to do it on all those things, right? That's why I feel like, in part, like, there's the, there's the high, there's the kind of, um, self-congratulatory defense or not defense or explanation of my costume, which is like, it's neutral. It's nothing. I'm, I'm here to get by on my ideas alone. Right. Right. And then the kind of like cowardly version of it is the outfit I fear is almost a little bit too much like the equivalent of I'm only going to do jokes about like, like Scrabble or something like that in order to prove to you that like, I'm not getting by on my feminine charms like that's the twofoldness of it but for a certain simplistic kind of mind i am like i'm wearing the same thing that like all these i don't know fucking dudes wear who you hold up as like doing real comedy or something coming up jacqueline talks about how much her approach to comedy has changed since she started telling jokes about pizza and french fries on late night tv and what it was like to watch some of her closest friends start making it big before she did. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Do you know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued? What was in Al Capone's vault? Or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin? If not, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay because you can learn it all on the new podcast, WikiHole, from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with host and friend of the last laugh, Darcy Carden, and her favorite comedian friends, as they bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. 
And if you listen to WikiHole, you will learn that's the sciencey term for eardrum. WikiHole is a hyperlink roller coaster, starting out on one Wikipedia page and then going from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until everyone wonders, how the hell did we get here? Follow WikiHole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to WikiHole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our episodes with some of Jacqueline's closest collaborators, like Mike Birbiglia, Kate Berlant, John Early, and more, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Wednesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple and Spotify to let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Jacqueline Novak. It's thrilling, at least from the outside, to see it hitting in this big way and and getting all this attention because it is something, as you said, that you spent this this much time doing and you were really determined to make it work. And I and I think it really it really has worked. What can you talk about sort of like where you were before that? Um and and why you felt like this was, you know, something that you needed to do. I mean, I'm I'm curious because you sort of are in this certain, you know, comedy world with, you know, John Early and Kate Berlant and and that whole crowd and and you went to you know this famous uh, you were part of this famous Georgetown improv group with John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, um, so was it was was any element of this sort of like seeing people, you know get their get their breaks before you and and you know wanting to sort of have your own moment and figuring out how to how to do that. I mean, I've been doggedly, you know, trying since day one, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, you know, I was sort of relaxed and like, I wasn't triggered by anyone. Like, I mean, like triggered, like a, like a hair trigger. Like it wasn't like, I wasn't like walking around spaced out and then go, Hey, like, you know what I mean? Like, like wait a minute, <laughs> that almost maybe makes it sound like cooler or something like that. Like I just finally got around to doing, to going for it. It's like, I've been doing all the things that the sort of stand with comedian pursuit and the late night sets and like all of the kind of in the comedy world things, right? Like just like, okay, this is me moving along in the comedy world and, and whatever and wanting to do it. So in other words, it's more like it's just taking this fucking long. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's not like I've been doing this show since forever. It's like, it's like there was, there was a definite, this focus, this, this, you know, that's the shift, right? The shift, in other words, the shift wasn't some external thing. It was all the parts just, I always feel like, like, I do feel like stand-up is this, you know, potentially soul-searching kind of like journey, like that, you know, begins like humbly just by, you know, like it has to, right? And, um, and depending on kind of what your goal is, like, I, I don't know how, like you were saying, like, you know, was it like, okay, let me see what the industry want, like, like wants and then like try to fulfill that or something. I, I, I wouldn't even know how to do that. You know, like. And the industry is changing so constantly too, that I don't, I'm not even sure anyone could do that. Yeah. I don't even know. Like I wasn't, I would say I was like, I was never at risk at sort of succeeding, like succeeding, but like, but it feeling hollow or something like, like I didn't know. I don't know how to, it, it wasn't like some artistic, some 
you weren't going to sell out and succeed and feel shitty about it. It'd almost be like if I knew how to sell out, I would. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I would have long ago. Like, I'm broke. You know <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, uh, it was more like, and, and I, I, say, I mean, I say that, I don't even know if that, that's truly like, yeah, I don't really know how to do that. Um, you know, I tried to do things like submit packets to late night shows and monologue jokes and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, it didn't, that shit didn't happen. So yeah, well, I guess that was sort of my point is like, not whether it's not comparing yourself to other people or anything, but if this moment came out of some frustration on your part that you, that you weren't, you know, that the way the comedy world was maybe set up was not allowing you to succeed in the way that you wanted to like maybe those five minute late night sets were not your form totally this yeah. is no I mean I mean I always I wanted like you know I I, I wanted to be st like um stalking the stage like I wanted to be like Chris Rock I mean you know what I mean it's like that's 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 what I watched and was like that's what I want you know what I mean like and I mean the late the problem with like like I guess maybe not the problem but the context in which stand-up is, like, a given stand-up set is existing, right? Like, means something, right? So if you're on a show, if you're on a showcase show or even, like, a showcase show that's, like, a, like, televised, like, a thing, and, like, let's say you're one of six comedians and now it's your turn and you come out, like, you're inherently framed as one of, one of the acts on the, like, on the night of whatever. And so, so to come out kind of with the bravado, like, you're the, you're the fucking thing, almost feels inappropriate, right? Like, it would feel inappropriate so I, in that context, this is like an imaginary television show mom, but in that context, I would come out with a kind of like humility of like one of six and sort of like, like I've raised my hand in class and now it's like, you know, my, it's turn, my turn and, yeah. you know, I look around and acknowledge that others have spoken and, you know, that, that kind of vibe. Um, you know, I, I also felt this way of if you're like a feature act, you know, like, or you're the MC or whatever, it's like, there's a vibe, like it doesn't feel like you can go out as the feature act and kind of act like it's your room. So then... And then the late night set is like this weird advertisement. It almost helped me to think of it as like a short advertisement instead of because because you're not you're a guest in the truest sense. Right. Like you've been invited on to like sing your little song. Right. And that context means something versus like, you know, when it's just your show and you, in my case, you know, hang a big fucking flag with my face on it like it's like, it's like, how do you, uh, it's almost like, how do you act like you're the show when there's no context that is that, right? And, and you, and the only way is to somehow just do it, whether, whether or not, you know, you know, whether it's, um, I mean, that's why it's great to just, I mean, that's why it's scary and great to just be like, I'm putting on a show and, and like maybe like three people will come. It's like, if you, if you're envisioning yourself I don't know. Yeah. Just the contexts of kind of like these, these, the late night sets and whatever, and all these kind of things. It's like, you're not, you're not in control in this one way, you know, you're, and you're, and, and to me, like big fun part of stand up into me, like in the form in which you're doing like an hour is that it's like your fucking night, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we yeah, talked yeah. about control and how, uh, and how you like to, you like to be in control. Um, I mean, so you, you know, I think you really manifested this thing, but your skill as a comedian and as a writer is what has made it successful. But how do you feel now that it is out there and, and it's, you know, it's done to, to a certain degree? How are you feeling? I feel um, great relief that, uh, that it's no, like that it's no longer in this state of like, it's, it's, 
it's captured, you know, I feel like the version that's captured is the show, like is kind of like an accurate experience of the show to, if there's going to be one version like that remains, I'm like that. Yep. That is the show. So that feels really good. Yeah. It feels a little like, wait, are we safe? Like, are we on land? You know, like this kind of like, okay, we're on land, we're on land. Like it's, it's done like this almost like a dream where you keep like thinking you've done the thing and then you realize you haven't or something like that. It's almost <laughs> going on so so long. So I'm like, it's out, right? Like we did it. Like uh, I'm not going to wake up and like it's back on me. So there, massive relief that it's, um, sort of out of my hands and that I feel like the thing that is out there is the show. Um, and, and then just the way that, I mean, finishing projects is like, um, hard, <laughs> you know, and, and really, and years of, of working on things like kind of independently, right? Like my like desk full of projects is a lot of, you know, things that are, they're only finished if I say they're finished, you know, which, which means like they're never finished. It's like, it's like, and so to finish a fucking project and just know absolutely it is done because it, because it can't, there's nothing to do. Yeah, in some ways this is, I mean, besides, I know you wrote a book as well and that has a similar feeling, but this is really like, it's, yeah, this is, you, you finish something and that's, and that's a big deal, but is it, and then the the other side of it, is it daunting to now feel like you have to start a new thing or, or sort of have this open blank page after so many years it's no it's really exciting it's like I've always wanted um I've always wanted to get like into into motion creatively in terms of not just like alone in my you know office like whatever like you know at my desk whatever like I've, I've always wanted to like can I just get into the situation where I have something out it's in communication with the world like and now I'm in, now it would make sense for me to be forced into another deadline. You know, like I'm so excited, like, okay, like it, it feels like the gun's going off in like the best way to finally sort of clear like the basement of, I always think of myself as literally Belle's father in Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and like he has all those, like, I don't know, in my, I, I've probably changed it in my mind, like, but I have this image of him like with all these like half-finished machines and gadgets and things, and it's, like, clear the basement. Like, got one out. Okay. You know, like, blow off the dust. Like, okay, is this... Do I care about this? Now we're going to the... You know, and, and, and like, deciding and clearing it out. Anyway, all to say, yeah, it feels like... It feels, like, healthy. You know, it feels like, okay, like, things are in motion. So with the bit of time that we have left, I want to do our, our final segment called The First Laugh. So I'm going to run through some questions here, starting with the first piece of comedy that made you laugh really hard as a kid growing up? There was a time where I was, uh, my brother was sort of watching me and my parents were having like people over for dinner. So we would stay up in my parents' room, you know, like hide up there kind of. And my mom would like bring us like food or whatever. We had to stay up there. And I was like sick. I had a fever. And we heard this like outrageous fever, like, but cackling, like they've never heard. And they came up and I was watching the Dice Man. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think, and, just, like, and it just just worked for you I was like five or something I I was like because you got to think about watching he's doing the he's doing the um nursery rhymes and it's like to know the reference to watch a stand yeah, comedian you're... and know the references <laughs> at five like which you never know the references when you're watching the dead so it was like yeah I know this Jack and Jill I know this Jack <laughs> and Jill uh thing he's talking about so you're like getting reference humor slash like having this one thing that you're expecting the thing and it's upset. So it was like, it was almost a um, very core uh, 
comedy. Yeah. That was pretty, yeah. Did you stay a, a big Andrew Dice Clay fan for um, the rest you know, of your life? It, you know, I, I, uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched in a while. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm, I, not, I, I'm not sure all of it's aged well, but he seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, he was, in, he was in something that was great, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah, Star is Born he was in. He was really good yes. in that. He's um, done some good acting, yeah. Yeah. Um, I what haven't about the first, in some yeah. time. <laughs> what about the first time that you knew that you were funny, that you could make other people laugh? Okay, let me feel that out. Um, like, still waiting, you know? <laughs> Probably... Uh, Really was hunting around in the memory. And I'm like vaguely recall, like I had this bit I would do in um, class, like <laughs> for like other friends. It wasn't like whatever, but but just this sort of early memory of like, okay, I guess that was me doing a bit where I would enact like what it would look like. Like if, you know, I suddenly realized I was like nauseous, like basically like that I was going to throw up in class. <laughs> and so it was like, it was sort of like, you know, it was like a real slow, a slow burn. <laughs> So I'd do it for another friend, like, and it wasn't like a fake out. I was like, I'm going to do a joke where it looks like I'm going to, like, you know what I mean? It was like, I set it up. Here's my impression of, and then just like, and then doing like the slow, like something's not quite yeah. right. Like, <laughs> oh God, is this real? And, and then, and then like bolting to the bathroom was the, the final. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that, that's <laughs> decent. Yeah. The punchline. Cut to a vignette. Yeah, that's a good one. What about the very first time you performed stand-up comedy? What do you remember about it? What stands out? How did it go? It went pretty well, relatively. Um, I threw up before, speaking of vomit. Um, it, it was a combo of like car sickness, but also I think sheer nerves. It was in Wiseacres, was the name of the club in, in a hotel in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Um, and I went and there was a real vibe of like, because it was a weekly open mic and there was a real, like, I, it was almost like a scene in a movie, like, like, who are you, sweetheart? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're, you're you know, oh, okay. Like, yeah, vibe. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I went up, I did a couple jokes, I got out of there, um, you know, genuinely shocked by how bright the lights are. Like, you know, like the classic thing of like, whoa, it's bright up here. And like, you just think people, you're like, how bright is it? But it's very fucking bright. <laughs> That shit is in your eyes. And I, yeah, so I threw up before I got through it. Oh, I think yeah. I took a cigarette on stage. I, okay, I can't remember if this was the first or the second time. They were very close, but I had like <laughs> a lemon drop, like like this, which I had never had, or this guy was drinking and I was like, should I have one of those? Like a little lemon drop shot. And then I, I think I had my papers with me and like, I think I might have had the cigarette was either the first or the second time, but I was just like, I wanted so much shit like, like with me, between me and the audience, like as many, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you imagine? I gotta get a video yeah, of that. You needed business. Um, I think it, I think it's in my, I think there's a video <laughs> from great. it. Yeah. Exists, I think there's no? a video. There's a VHS in my parents, uh, like in my childhood bedroom living there. If I have video of me with a cigarette on stage indoors, that would be big. Yeah. That'll be in the documentary someday. Do you remember the first joke you told on stage that really worked and got a laugh and you felt like, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, my first joke was like here. about getting my cat a pair of pants and not realizing that when you put a pair of pants on a cat, suddenly it becomes really obvious that the cat's not wearing a shirt, you know, then a series of tags, <laughs> floating tags. And that was like, that was like my <laughs> um, first joke slash like, you know, yeah, like your cat pants. And it's, it's not a premise that others have not covered. At the time, at the time, it was very fresh, I'll say. Pretty ahead of its time, yeah. And finally, do you have a story or memory from your career that makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened? Chris, 
Can you think of a single funny thing that's ever happened to me in comedy that wasn't funny at the time, but now we laugh about? We're live. <laughs> we're taping. I mean, I'm just joking that we're live. I literally can't think of an anecdote. What was horrible at the time? What was a horrible... Maybe Edinburgh? <laughs> I was trying to think of... Uh, I was like, those people leaving towards the end. That was fun. I can't think of anything. Of what? Yeah, because at Edinburgh, all the shows are like 60 minutes. Oh, oh, oh. I, that was sort of not funny, right? Yeah, that was yeah. sort of, we were pissed, right? Yeah. Or you were pissed. Oh, you didn't, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. the last time when I was just sort of passing through and doing like a couple shows, um, yeah, the, the show is long. No one, like, and the way that the doors are, <laughs> the way it's set up in, the, in the, some of those rooms, it's like, so I'm like literally on my knees, you know, like screaming to the heavens, my like spiritual worldview, whatever. And people are like, getting out to get to the next show and they're just yeah. streaming by me. I mean, and you know, it's like one of those where the floor is the stage. Yeah. And so they come so down and no, they're just walking there's by. There's nowhere me. to hide. And um, my, my, my like tour manager, like she was like really, I think she was crying on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um, like she just like thought it was so fucked up and it's not that fucked up. I mean, yeah, they had another just, show to get to. That's how, that's how it Edinburgh wasn't marketed goes, appropriately. Yeah, that's the, uh, yeah. the challenge of the 90 minute show. God. Yeah. Yeah, now that they can watch it at home, there's yeah, no excuses. You gotta stick with it to the end. For the algorithm. It's really For important, apparently. Completion rate, they say. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, am I taking a gamble com on that? Com completion but, rate could have been you know another I mean? title like, of the show. I know. Every time I say it, I'm like, why? Why is this? <laughs> why must this be? It's actually like impossible to avoid innuendo because it's yeah, constant. Especially when you know you're what sort I mean? Like, in that, like in almost that anything. Yeah, right. Then it just, the words. They're magnetized, and you say them even faster. Yeah. Jacqueline, I'm, I'm so glad that we finally got to do this, um, and in this really exciting moment for you and, and your career, and I've been watching you for a long time, and um, it's just been a thrill to see everything that's happened with this show. Thank you. It really means the world. I really appreciate it. All right. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jacqueline Novak as much as I did. If you just listened to all of that and haven't watched her new special, Get On Your Knees yet, please take the time to check it out on Netflix now. To completion, of course. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple and Spotify. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on threads at Matt Wilstein and at thedailybeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram and threads where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude. You can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. <laughs>